Hi there, I'm Becky Hammond, founder and strengths maven over at Isogo and isogostrong.com. Welcome to Isogo TV, the video and audio podcast where we are fueling marriage connection, parenting grace, and work energy by focusing in on your strengths instead of fixating on your weakness. Today, you are joining us for episode 73, and we are right in the middle of our Isogo TV interview series. By talking to leaders, coaches, parents, spouses, regular people, we are bringing alive the life-changing stories that have been fueled by people's unique and brilliant strengths in their work or their marriages or their parenting. And today's guest is Paul Allen. Paul has said that if he has one entrepreneurial superpower, it's asking questions at scale. He first asked how we can connect to our paths and his answer, foundingancestry.com. He now asks how we can connect to our future. He answers, as he usually does, in grand fashion by becoming the world's foremost thought leader on the strengths movement. First at Gallup and now at Soar.com, Paul is on a mission to help every person, executive, team, and company understand their unique abilities. Through an inspiring blend of current topical data, personal moving stories, Paul gives his audience both the motivation and the information that they need to turn his stories into action. I have personally been inspired by Paul's commitment and enthusiasm and integrity, so much so that I'm eating wearing this Soar.com shirt today to show my support. (laughs) In this interview, he shares his own journey in the strengths perspective how it impacted the way he puts teams together, what he wished he would have known earlier in his career, and even how it has impacted the way he connects with his wife, Christy. So let's dive into this conversation with Paul Allen. All right, well, thank you, Paul Allen, for being here today. I am really excited that we get to uh, sit down and have a conversation, because that's kind of what it feels like. I know it really does. Um, it's great to see you, Becky, and uh, love the work that you're doing. And I'm very excited to be a guest on your show. Well, thanks. Well, I'm honored to have you and inspired by uh, what you are doing and what you've done in your life and, um, and honored that I get to share with our community a little bit about that and what the strengths perspective has meant uh, in your life and in your work and in your home. So um, first, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, like what your family's like and what you do for work and we'll go from there. So it's kind of interesting that I grew up in a family of eight kids and my wife grew up in a family of eight kids and we were both the fifth of eight kids. Oh my goodness. And we got married uh, 1988. So we've been married 30 years and we have eight kids. And oh, wow. Awesome. Why that happened? Uh, that's, uh, isn't eight the perfect number in China or something like that? <laughs> there's something about seven. I haven't heard eight. Maybe it's seven. Maybe it's, <laughs> I think there's a special uh, affiliation with eight as well. But, uh, cool. but so um, our fifth child thinks, you know, he's obviously very special. Uh, <laughs> and so, um, yeah, our family, we have uh, three girls, then three boys, and then two girls at the end. So they range in age from... Uh, 30 to, uh, or she'll turn 30 this year, to um, uh, December 31st. She was uh, born on the last day of, of the year, uh, 10 months after we got married. Mm. And, and then we have a 13-year-old uh, still at home. So seven of our kids are kind of college and, wow. and, and so it's really an interesting stage of life mm. to add a full household for so many years 
you know, all the routine of chores and school and music and, and, and putting them to bed, which was my favorite part of, of being a dad was, you know, reading with them and, mm-hmm. and, and telling them stories and, and saying prayers with them. And then, uh, and now they're all grownups and having kids of their own. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's an interesting stage. Um, I think with, 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 light, with, with life comes some wisdom, hopefully, and some perspective. Hmm. And uh, certainly a lot of gratitude. Hmm. That's wonderful. And then uh, what are you doing for work right now? So um, when I joined Gallup in 2012 um, as, a, as the global strengths evangelist for the StrengthsFinder uh, movement, uh, it's the first time I'd ever taken a job with another company or big company since, you know, my first two years uh, in the workforce. Um, I worked at a, at, a, at a search engine company. But then I was an entrepreneur for 22 years. I started seven companies. And so uh, I just love to build things that I care about. I love mm-hmm. products that will help people, that will help families, that will help people with learning and education. Um, and so when I find something that's uplifting and positive, I actually like to build a company to kind of promote it and even, you know, create additional value around it. So, uh, so you know, what I'm doing now is after I left Gallup a year ago and had a nice conversation with Jim Clifton about, you know, the whole idea of helping coaches through the Gallup Exchange, that project didn't go live, uh, didn't, didn't. Um, wasn't promoted and marketed the way I had hoped for. And so Jim said, I wouldn't object if you want, went off on your own and started this uh, type uh, exchange type uh, platform for coaches. So I've been running with that for over a year and, and now have had some great funding some, from some amazing investors, uh, some great collaborators, co-creators of the company, co-founders. Uh, my wife is on the board. She's Yay. a Galveston Strengths coach. So awesome. she involved together. <laughs> and so uh, we're actually kind of building what I think is the last company I'll ever be involved with, which wow. hoping to uh, spread strengths to people all over the world um, and to help everyone soar with their strengths. Wow. Cool. And that's called soar.com, right? Soar.com. Can you think <laughs> you got that domain? I mean, no, that's I like can't. a dream. I have a, I have an eight letter email address, Becky. This is so <laughs> For me, I mean, I got my first email address in like 1995, but I remember a friend, Josh Koppelman. Josh is a super good entrepreneur and a venture capitalist. He, he sold a company called Half.com to eBay for like $380 million, 18 months after he started. Wow. And I remember him telling me about the plan uh, to do this, but then he sent me his email. It was josh at half.com. I'm like, that is the best email <laughs> ever seen and paul at soar.com i can't believe i have like this awesome short address. you're living it <laughs> it's like wow the dream is <laughs> that's awesome oh so you have a lot to, to be proud of in your life and your work and when you think about things something that you're proud of recently what comes to your mind you know so um i've wanted to run a marathon my whole life hmm. and uh, i don't I, I kind of like distance running. It's, it's, I have intellection. I, I like to think a lot. And so running is a, is a chance, especially run out, outdoors. Um, but I've never been able to break 16 miles. Um, that was my personal best. Um, and I just would hit a wall and I would just like mentally not be able to do it. So about a year ago, I started running five miles almost every single morning. Wow. Up Canyon and, and, uh, and then that consistency allowed me about on June 2nd, about, on June 2nd, I ran miles, and I wasn't wow. 
do a long run that day, but I finished my long 10 mile run and I thought, I feel really good. I think I can keep going. So I got, I got to 20. Whoa. And now that, that barrier of 16 is gone. And I think if I can start doing six or seven every day, I think I'll be able to run a marathon in the next year or so. So one of those bucket list things that I've. Yeah. What's your dream? What's your dream marathon? Where do you want to go? You know, I don't really have one. I just want to do one. <laughs> I don't mind if I do it on my own with nobody watching. I like, I could just hit 20s because on my 40th birthday, I ran 13.1 miles on a treadmill the oh. morning of my 40th birthday, just because I wanted to see what, what I could do. And so it doesn't even have to be a big name marathon. It's just, I just need to do 26.2 sometime. Well, I highly recommend then the San Diego Rock and Roll Marathon because I haven't done it, but it's pretty much the best place you could ever choose to run. So <laughs> There you go. Yeah, like San Diego, like if there's water close by, I mean, I love to be by lakes, oceans, rivers, mountains, trees. Um, San Diego kind of has a, a beautiful variety there. So uh, yeah. I give that a shot. <laughs> cool. So when you first came across the strengths concept, I would love for people to know kind of where you were at. I know uh, it was introduced to you by a friend. And so you weren't necessarily looking to solve any problems, you know, that you thought could maybe be solved by the strengths perspective. But when you were at the time, you know, what challenges were you experiencing? What was happening in your life? Um, kind of where were you at? What were you thinking about most in your life at that moment when you were introduced to StrengthsFinder? Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I like to look back uh, 10 or 15 years, and there's probably three or four steps that led me to be really ready for um, taking the strengths assessment and then doing something with it afterwards. It was early 2012. Um, in the, you know, the early 2000s, Ancestry.com really became uh, the world's best and biggest genealogy company, but we had uh, big investors who kind of took control of the company, and, and uh, I felt like in some ways the, the company had lost part of its original mission, which was to connect living families with each other and not just people to their deceased ancestors. And so uh, our most important property was, was neglected and then eventually shut down. So uh, I went through the heartache of seeing a company taken over by other, other people. Mm. And, uh, and then I watched as the country went through the global financial crisis and I got obsessed with the global financial crisis. I read like 40 books on the subject. Uh, derivatives, uh, structured um, mortgage-backed securities, f financial engineering. And it's really scary the more you learn about the global financial system and how it works. And so uh, I was kind of worried about the future of the world mm -hmm. and how fragile and how, you know, one derivative trader could do something that would create contagion and spread to, you know, hundreds of millions of people affected and losing their savings. I mean, it was really tragic, actually. Uh, and and I, I think it, it damaged uh, so many economies, but so many individuals and families as well. So uh, that happened. And then um, I started a company and met Mark Zuckerberg in 2007. I shook his hand. The day he announced Facebook platform, which gave an opportunity for software developers like my, my team and I to build the app on top of Facebook. Hmm. And so we built an app in October of uh, 2000 seven called we're related and it was helping people connect with all their living relatives on facebook and share family photos and family trees privately and we got 120 million users in wow. two and a half years and then facebook pulled the plug basically on their platform and we lost um 97 of our revenue and 97 percent of our users in a six-month period i had to lay off 40 people yeah. so 
I, I went from, you know, trying to build something good for families, then trying to build something good for families on top of Facebook. In both cases, corporate owners or corporate decision makers got to kind of pull the plug on initiatives that I really cared about hmm. and, uh, and kind of limit the, the growth of that. And so when I uh, had a friend at Gallup who said, hey, we're thinking of taking StrengthsFinder and and really opening up the floodgates and helping people all over the world hear about their strengths. And so we needed a hyper growth uh, entrepreneur. Mm. And I told them, hey, they should talk to you. So I said, well, I don't know anything about it. And he said, well, I'll send you a code. <laughs> Literally, Becky, I took that assessment and read my report. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this understands me better than anybody, even my mom, my wife, my best friend, like this nailed me to a T, like this is exactly who I am. And then when I got my full 34 and I saw my six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10, I'm like, this is, how do they do this? <laughs> For them to know this much about me. Wow. And so I had such a powerful reaction to it. And as, as my friend Clint started coaching me around it and, and teaching me about the strengths movement, um, I started reading the books and realized that I was missing this tool my entire life. And, and I had this kind of huge remorse that all the companies that I started and all the talented people that I worked with, I didn't understand them through the lens of strength. Hmm. I was looking for very narrow sets of skills, and I really valued and engaged with employees that were technologists or marketers. And I ignored largely the HR people and the uh, communications teams or the, or the you know, infrastructure teams. Like, I didn't really value their contributions. In fact, I had a real problem in almost every business meeting. I would um, calculate the cost of the meeting because I knew the salaries of everybody in the room. Oh my gosh. This two-hour meeting is costing us like $3,700. Like, this can't be worth it. <laughs> Instead of viewing it like, hey, we're all together. We're all learning from each other coordinating as a team. Everybody's got contributions to make. I didn't see it that way at all. Wow. And so I think this flood of remorse and, and the fact that I hadn't ever understood the value of culture and, mm -hmm. and ship around unlocking the strengths of others. And so since I felt so validated by the assessment, I started wanting everyone else that I knew wow. the same experience. And, and just to feel like this assessment describes me better than anything ever has in my life. And now what do I do with it? So it was a really transformative experience for me. And it led me to take a full-time job with Gallup just six months later and move to Washington, D.C. and take the rest of our, our younger kids there and, and wow. stay for almost five years with Gallup. Wow. And so when, you, so when Clint introduced you to this tool and you, know, you weren't really looking for anything in terms of like, how to become a better manager, or how to be a better leader, or how to start businesses better. You know, you weren't really looking for something. Had you felt like you had tried other perspectives or other paths before you had gotten, before you understood? Not that? really. I really ignored people stuff, you know, <laughs> HR stuff and assessments and things. Like I had just kind of written it off. Like it's not very, it doesn't matter to a technology entrepreneur. Hmm. I actually think most technology entrepreneurs are today like I was, you know, years ago, uh, you know, oh, the HR organizational people, you just go do your things. We'll go create all the value for the company. <laughs> but, but I was looking for something, Becky. I was looking for 
a solution to the world's biggest problem. Hmm. Um, I, I was thinking of moving to Washington, D.C. even before Gallup. The political system is, is really fragile. The financial system is really fragile. Culture seems to be disintegrating. You know, the entertainment, mass entertainment, so, social media is kind of addicting and also very degrading. Hmm. And so a lot of my core values were being kind of challenged by corporations and governments and social movements that I don't think are going in a good direction. So I was really looking for a company to found around solving the major problems facing the world. And I was not expecting a tool like this, a hmm. personal uh, strengths assessment tool to, for me now to see that, that that's, see, that's the seed of solving every problem in the world. The only way any problem in the world gets solved is through human talent being applied. And human talent can only be applied if it's first discovered and developed. Mm. So kind of in a grand scheme of things, I feel like I, I'm, you know, not by looking for it, but just because Clint reached out to me that I found what I was looking for, mm. which was a solution to family problems, management problems, team problems, societal problems, state problems, country problems, culture problems, um, if we actually just all embraced strength hmm. and viewed each other in the lens of what's right with this person, what can they contribute, how can, how can they grow and develop and reach their full potential, um, then one by one, the problems of families can be solved, the problems of organizations can be solved, and the world becomes the kind of world Don Clifton envisioned you know, what if we had a world built on the strengths of everything? Hmm. Wow. Well, you know, I'm a believer in that, uh, that it's, uh, it's a life-changing thing if we allow it to come in and not just, not just get our list of top five strengths, but allow it to really alter the perspective with which we approach the world and relationships and that we don't just value people who are like ourselves, which is what we tend to do. Um, yeah. you know, that, that, you know, I, I, I give value to people who can get a lot of stuff done. And that was me, you know, 10 years ago and beyond. And it's still a work in process. You know, when I see that people can't get as much done, it's like, you know what, because you offer all these other things that now I'm training my mind every day to, to, to look for. So, you know, I, um, I would love to, to know a little bit more about, you know, what, when you think of you know, your before strengths and your after strength states, what stories come to mind for you? You know, what, what was it like before in a particular relationship or um, a, a leadership role or whatever, you know, whatever comes to your mind? And then what is it like after having understood your strengths and as you said, kind of the strengths of the people that are around you? Probably two uh, stories might come to mind. So first of all, I had great partners all the way through. I had a great business partner. I had a great uh, executive assistant for eight years. She has all executing themes. She has ideation at the very bottom. And, and so she says, oh, I never have an idea, but I never forget yours and I always get them done. So, but that was now looking back after she took the assessment and I did too. Now we see why we were such good partners. So you can accidentally stumble into a great relationship yep. and not understand why. But now I can understand why some of my partnerships were so productive and some of them were so awful. Mm. And I could go back and have strengths for myself and all my, all my partners where things didn't go well and, and use that as a way to dialogue. 
and to, and to talk through the problems. But I mean, there was a lot of immaturity and a lot of lack of self-awareness. But I, I think the most impactful relationship by far where strengths has had a really incredible transformational effect is with me and my wife. Mm-hmm. So we had been married for over two decades, had lots of kids. We had eight kids, as you know. And, uh, you know, things get really um, hard sometimes and you don't understand why she's this way and I'm this way. And, and so um, we did, did go through uh, years of counseling and therapy and, and that was very, very helpful. Um, but then when we discovered strengths uh, years ago and, and it took her a year or two to really embrace it, but then she embraced it. So now you've got two people married over 26 years, fully embracing strengths, learning all the themes, uh, giving the assessment to all eight of our kids. We have two-day family retreats. Uh, we have kids giving tributes to each other. They all talk about strengths all the time. Uh, two, my oldest daughter, my youngest daughter have futuristic. You should just watch them talk about their futures. And my 13-year-old planning her college and beyond. And my you know, 30-year-old, 29-year-old, um, you know, helping her every step of the way. Um, so now uh, our relationship is completely different. Because um, we could never really do projects together. We could never really uh, work together on things. She did her thing. I did my thing. And then we tried to share, you know, some family values and things. But now we actually coach together. Wow. Actually do events together. And she respects my learner and input and ideation and all my strategic thinking themes. She doesn't object to me ordering a new book on Amazon every single day because she knows that that's as important to me as her empathy, relator, and uh, restorative in context and consistency is for her. And she needs those things to matter. She needs time one-on-one. She needs uh, room for emotional expression. Um, She needs, uh, I mean, she needs to solve problems immediately and not wait. My intellection wants to wait for days or weeks Mm. and those will go away. Her restorative wants to address it right now. And so now we all of a sudden have language to understand why she's this way and why I'm this way and to work through so many things that we never could even bring up before. Hmm. It has been a game changer for our marriage. Wow. That, that is amazing to hear and to hear. Now, let me list out, list out your top five and her top five again. Yeah. So learner input, ideation, intellection, strategic. Those are my top five. They're all strategic thinking themes. And hers are empathy, restorative, relator, context, and consistency. Wow. Yep. There's not one the same, is there? (laughs) No, not one the same. We do have strategic and achiever, both of us, in our top 10. Okay. So we do have that. Her ideation is 34, and my empathy is 33. And so um, there's a lot we didn't understand about each other at all. And uh, I don't believe the men are from Mars, women are from Venus stereotype. I just think strengths gives you yeah. a much richer, personalized view of each person. Right. And uh, in, some, in some marriages, you know, the one partner may be more emotional and more emotionally aware yeah. than the other one, and it doesn't have to fit a gender stereotype. So yeah. um, I just think uh, throw out the planet, you know, compared <laughs> And horoscopes too, the astrology, whatever. And just like figure out your natural patterns of thinking, feeling, and behaving that define you and your partner and your children and start to live life around what each person brings and what yeah. they contribute to the relationship or to the, or to the organization. Yeah, 
Yeah. I'm, well, that's it's certainly true in our relationship that David is, let's see, more from Venus, I guess you would say. <laughs> uh, he, he, uh, he, he's the one that has that emotional intelligence and always has brought that. And I've been able to learn some of that from him, mm-hmm. but it's situational. It's not intuitive, you know? And so, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's been great to kind of, like you said, break down those stereotypes and say, yeah, you think that men are from Mars and women are from Venus because people are just different, whether, no matter what their gender is, you know, they're just different yeah. from each other. And, um, in order to learn to, um, not just live together, but thrive together. And like you said, work together. I mean, I have a, we have a very similar story. Like I, I, at one time, David had asked me, wouldn't it be so fun to work together? And I, you know, this was probably five years into our marriage. And I point out blank, looked him in the face and said, no, that would be miserable. <laughs> you know, like, kind of like you're a slacker. I don't want, you know, I don't want, you know, I don't want to work with you. You see how last minute you are on all your projects, you know, all these things that are just, they're just weakness fixating. And, um, and to this day, now we do work together and it's, you know, not that there's not little, that there's not tension points because we are, we are different, but we have a way to work through it. So, um, yeah, I love, I love hearing that. And so was there another story, another kind of, um, spot in your life where you can kind of see a before and after effect, um, of the strengths perspective? Well, I think from a manager standpoint, so Mm. interesting to me when I interviewed with Gallup and they have world-class selection instruments where they they're similar to StrengthsFinder, but they're customized to a job that you're interviewing for. And so they did all the selection process with me. And I remember distinctly having them ask me, how do you like managing people? Hmm. I remember saying, I hate managing people. And I kind of thought back to all those times where I had all those meetings and the bigger the company got, the less I wanted to manage people. So I literally stepped down as CEO seven times in my previous seven companies because I got so overwhelmed with all the people and the management of them that I was unable to spend time doing creation and, and marketing and, and product development, which is what I love to do. And so um, uh, I remember when Gallup hired me and said I was an individual contributor, but I didn't have managerial talent. Well, of course, I didn't sound like I had managerial talent because of the way I talked about it, right? Yeah. But later at Gallup, I realized how much I love managing a small team of five to 10 people. Like, mm-hmm. it's a joy for me. Every startup started out joyful because you get some engineers, you get some marketing people, you get some content and product people, and you're inventing something that didn't exist before. I can't do it all by myself. So leading a small team, if I mm-hmm. that interview over again, I would say, I love managing a small team. I don't love managing a huge corporation. Right don't know, you know, how to enjoy doing that yet. But, um, but so I didn't get to hire and manage the team. And, and so now I get to, and now what I make sure is that every single person that I work with, um, whether I manage them directly or whether they're on someone else's team, we know their strengths. We know the top five. And because I'm not emotionally intelligent necessarily like some other people are, and I'm not high individualization, I need a tool like <laughs> I need the theme insight cards. So I memorize what each theme needs. Mm. And then when I'm interacting with people, I'm like, okay, yeah. Okay. She's got strategic. She needs freedom to make mid course corrections. Am I imposing a plan on her uh, or on her team where they need to be able to have freedom to like make some corrections? You know, uh, does she have futuristic? Does he have uh, you know, discipline? How do I work with someone that has discipline? And how is that different than someone that has ideation? And so now it's like a joy because 
I, I'm not like stumbling around and making mistakes left and right. There's actually an explanation for why uh, working with this person is going well, that working with this person isn't. And I have a tool set that is incomparable so that I can like make sure that every employee has what they need so that they can bring what they bring so that they can be their best. And everyone wins when this happens. And so uh, I think that has been, I'm not going to step down as CEO of this company. <laughs> Maybe hire a COO or, or other people to manage certain parts of the business. But I love this. And I'm not just growing a company. I'm trying to grow all the people in the company. I want every person that joins SOAR to have the best work experience of their entire career. More personal growth and more opportunity to do what they do best than anywhere they've ever worked. And hopefully they'll take away from SOAR if they ever leave an expectation that a workplace can, can both uh, have organizational goals, but also cater to the individual's need to contribute and to grow. Yeah. So I'm, just, I'm so happy <laughs> this is all happening. I mean, I'm in my early 50s starting this company and I'm like, I think I made every mistake in the book and <laughs> have to. Now I think the sky's the limit on this company and what we can do to share the Clifton Strengths message uh, all over the world. I mean, I was a Russian major in college. And so now I'm like, I've got to learn Spanish, Russian, Chinese, and Arabic before I die. Because I really want to help take the Strengths Movement into mm. all those parts of the world. That's like a big chunk of the world if you get English plus those five languages. And so I've already got a Russian tutor. Um, I'm re relearning some of my high school Spanish. <laughs> This is like, <laughs> sorry, Becky. I, it is I enough. It is excited. enough. That's, that's good. That's what we need. That's why you're paving the way. I mean, it kind of sounds like as you describe, you know, like I hate managing to like, as you're, as you're saying, like this excitement that you're getting, not just about, not just about spreading the, the strengths movement and having something that can fix the world, but also like you've described that now you don't hate manage, managing, you actually love managing. Like, I mean, that's, right. that's a huge transition from the before and after. And it's like, now you're getting a second chance kind of to do it all over again. Like everything that you've ever, ever learned about starting businesses and all that. It's like, now you're, you're, you're doing it again. And now with, like you say, a tool in front of you to be able to pull out the best in people and um, be a part of bringing them what they need. I mean, uh, who wouldn't be inspired to work for an organization like that? Well, that's, that's the ideal, and hopefully we'll get close to that ideal. But even as a parent, I, I think back all the times I parented my children the way that I wanted to be parented, or yeah. that, you know, based on who I was. So I have a son who's a great basketball player, just super talented, and I, I'm super competitive. It's my number eight, and it's, mm. it's – no, sorry, it's my number seven. It's always on, and uh, I hate losing. I would never even let the kids beat me in anything. <laughs> would remind me of that. She's like – you go bowling with the kids, they come home crying. <laughs> well, they need to learn how to bowl better. <laughs> so I'm very competitive, but uh, uh, I, uh, I used to coach my son after every game and like try to like get him to want to win. Hmm. For him, as I look at his strengths, he has empathy, developer, consistency. And it's not about winning. It's about his teammates, his he's got relator too, his relationship, how well they played, how well he played, and if he passed the ball a lot and his teammates scored, he would rather do that than be the leading scorer because he has the developer. He wanted to make the team better. He could leave a loss and be really happy. 
And I just didn't understand that. So I, think I miscoached him for like four years until we finally found out what his strengths were. And then I stopped trying to make him like me as an athlete. Yeah. It's all about competition and winning. And, you know, I've analytical too. So, but, but for him, it's about other things. And I've really grown to appreciate him and each one of my kids. I now parent them in the way, hopefully, that is better for them and not just easy for me or natural for me. Um, so it's much more responsive hmm. in terms of your helping, how you're helping other people. Well, how would you say that changed? What, what did it change for him uh, when you changed your approach? <laughs> well, he and I have a really close relationship now, and we talk about strengths a lot. Um, I don't recall him saying kind of what that meant in terms of basketball, but in terms of his career seeking and his mm. college goals and stuff like that, he has told me that strengths completely changed his perception mm. of he is and what he could be. One reason is my two oldest sons are in computer science, statistics, Android programming. They're into the geek kind of tech world. Josh is not that way at all and never has been. So he's always felt left out. Even when me and my two older sons are talking about technology, Josh is really not a part of that. Yeah. He went to a company meeting where my two sons were working and they had 60 employees, mostly technologists, but one woman who's the COO who has three of the same top strengths as my son, Josh. Wow. She sat down and told him that as a manager, the company would fall apart without her as the manager, that it was her consistency, her empathy. Um, I, I think, uh, I can't remember if it was developer also, but, but without her, all these tech people can't get anything done. And they just like stumble around and fall and, and things fall apart. And when she sat down for an hour with him, and about two months later, I said, so that conversation with Liz, how did that make you think about yourself? He says, I think I'll be a great manager someday. Wow. For the first time in his life, he thought about managing people. Mm. In, like not what he, what he couldn't do in tech. Now he thinks about what I can do to help, whether it's tech people or salespeople. He tells me that he's very um, uh, aware that he could be a great manager and that that's wow. something he's thinking about. Wow. Very cool. Cool. So, I, I mean, I feel like we could probably keep going on forever. And like you said, you have stories in like every realm and I soak these things in. So, but um, as we kind of close up for the rest of people that are uh, listening in with us today, you know, if you were going to draw from your own personal experience, kind of people who might have been experiencing some of the challenges that you were having before the strengths perspective, or maybe that you didn't even realize you really even were having before the strengths perspective and then you realize wow how much better it could be um, after understanding your strengths and the people around you um, what encouragement or advice would you give to that person who can really just relate to where you were at before yeah. you uh, discovered your strengths i just think it's a lens with which you look at yourself and everybody else and it's a beautiful thing to look mm -hmm. at what's right with each person so one of my role models right now is is our lead investor graham weston he ran a a billion dollar company, Rackspace down in San Antonio. And he told me that, I mean, he's brought strength to 7,000 employees, thousands of their family members, schools down in San Antonio. Like he said to me the other day or a few months ago, I don't know anyone who hasn't taken Clifton strengths. Wow. Okay. So what if the advice to anybody who feels stuck in their career or stuck in a relationship or just not happy or not feeling fulfilled, what if you set as a goal that everybody you know sooner or later is gonna discover their strengths mm. and learn what it means for them and what unique value they can bring to a relationship or to a team. 
And uh, Graham Weston also says, every person wants to be a valued member on an inspired, on a winning team with an inspired mission. Hmm. And I'm like, okay, Graham is just a brilliant, kind, wonderful, generous person. And he's embraced strengths for more than 20 years. Wow. Sharing it with so many thousands of people. The ripple effect is amazing. So if you're stuck, if you're miserable, if life isn't going the way you want, put on this new lens. Learn language and the, and the tool of strengths. And then start making sure that everybody you care about starts to discover their strengths. Hmm. The more conversations you have, the more you see life through this amazing, beautiful, tinted lens. And it's not rose-colored Pollyanna. It's not your eyes to the problems of the world. But it's realizing that the solution to all the problems of the world is through the very talents and strengths that we sometimes uh, can't see. Yeah. And, uh, and so when they go from invisible to visible and they become useful every day, things start to change around you and within you and life can become a, an incredible journey. Hmm. Cool. It's a beautiful piece to end with and to, to encourage other people with, um, when we're, when we're stuck, when we don't know where to go next, when some of the relationship stuff just doesn't feel like we can get out of it. It spirals down um, to know that um, that by discovering who you are, you already have within you uh, what it takes to get out of that and to bring your relationships to a place where you are so excited about them and are happy about them and can actually work together with the people that you've chosen to commit your life to. And um, yes, and uh, yeah, beautiful encouragement. So, it can happen. Yeah, and for you, <laughs> for everyone. It certainly can. Cool. Well, uh, thank you so much, Paul. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for chatting with all of us here today and sharing your stories about how the strengths perspective um, can can make a difference in your work and your relationships in your life. So we'll chat. Thank next you. Time. Bye. Okay. Bye bye. Isn't Paul's passion and vision so compelling and so practical that we can use our strengths to get unstuck, to make a change for the good in our lives, families, work, communities, and more? You can explore more with Paul Allen over on LinkedIn, and you can get connected with a coach that is a perfect fit for you over at Soar.com. If you are a coach, I cannot tell you how highly I recommend that you join Paul and his team on Soar.com. Their vision is becoming a reality, and you have to be at the front of this with him. I certainly am. You can get his links over in the show notes at isogostrong.com slash isogotv. You know, ultimately, my dream would be to see thriving marriages, families, and workplaces across the world. By orienting our mind toward our strengths, I know that we can get there, just like Paul is doing. So I'd love to ask you to share Isogo TV, the video or the audio version, with your own circles on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or right there in the relationships in your home or your office. And if you like Isogo TV or this interview with Paul Allen in particular, please leave a five-star review over at iTunes. It not only means a lot to me, but it also helps others find this podcast as a resource too. You know, I'm glad that you were here today to hear how others have fueled significant changes in their lives by focusing in on their strengths. And I hope that you join me for more next time on Isogo TV.